you, Lord. Amen. Well, we started off the year at, and, and with a series of three chairs, and we're taking it. And we, we're going to go a little bit deeper with this three chair thing, and and you know the first chair is commitment, second chair is compromise, third chair is conflict, and you know you could just say it's complacency, but complacency always leads to conflict, and we want to be first chair in every realm of our life. How you know that there's that, you know that it's easy to get first chair in one area and then look over there and find out another area of your life you, you're way back, you've slid clear off the porch. You ain't even in the chair, you know, and, and then there's, there's different, there's different times. And man, it just seems like, you know, musical chairs, you know, it just depends on what's going on. But we just want to be pressing towards being first chair people in every realm of our life. And, and, uh, we, you know, we started off the year and we talked about first chair and fasting. And can I just tell you that if you're going to be first chair, you're going to live a fasted lifestyle. Hello? You know, and I'm not talking about fasting once a year. You know, the church does a corporate fast at the beginning, so that's when I'm going to fast. No, I'm, I'm talking about developing a lifestyle of fasting where, you know, uh, you know, even the men, you know, we got a great group of guys that meets Thursday morning, 6 o'clock uh, for prayer, and they have a calendar that they set out at the beginning of each month, and they sign up, and, and, and every day is covered by at least one guy. Sometimes there's two or three guys fasting that day for, for the house, and, and they're developing a fasted lifestyle. You want to do that. You know, I'm going to tell you, you know, have you ever noticed that when, uh, you know, it comes with your communication with God, that there are moments where it's just insane clarity. I mean, it's just like, man, you're right on. And it's like, you're hearing God and sensing his spirit and it's directing you. And then there's other days when it's just a little fuzzy. And yet, well, I, you know, I don't know. I, man, and, and, you know, I've talked to people who say, I haven't heard from God in months. Well, you know, uh, that fasted lifestyle will help eradicate the fuzziness. You know, it's kind of like, uh, uh, you know, the, remember the old radios in the car? And you turn it, and that little thing would move around, you know, on that rubber band in there. And, and you'd turn the dial, and, it's, and then it would bring it into, and you'd fine-tune your, your FM and AM radio. And, and that's what fasting can do for your prayer life. It'll get you in tune. It'll, it'll get you uh, in the right frequency, and suddenly you can hear God like, like you haven't been able to hear him in a long time. Well, if you live a fasted lifestyle, you're keeping yourself in that sweet spot. Come on, live a fast. Look, look at your neighbor and tell him you need to fast. Okay, there we go. And, uh, uh, and, you know, so we started, we talked about fasting, then we moved into fitness. How many of you know that you, we need to be fit physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially? We just need to be fit. We talked about first chair families, and, and we need to just not, you know, move on from that. Now, well, now we're out of that, so we don't need to love our wives anymore. No, we need to be first chair. Hello? Come on. Ladies need to be uh, helping their husbands. Children need to be obeying their parents. We just need to be first chair in every realm of our life. We're going to live a facet lifestyle. We're going to be in shape for the kingdom. We are going to have strong families, and we're going to get ourselves out of debt. Right? Because, you know, the Bible says that, uh, that the borrower is servant to the lender. But we said that we're going to serve the Lord alone. So if, if first chair serves God alone, then it's hard to serve God alone when somebody else is making your financial decisions. And so if you do it God's way, don't get under condemnation. If you're in debt, just get out of debt. Well, how do I do it? You, you live life God's way. You need help. We got help for you. We've got, we've, we've got some budgets printed out and some instructions, and you can just get a copy of that if you want, and we'll hand it to you, and we'll help you with it if you want. But we're just believing, God, that not only are we going to be physically fit and spiritually fit, our families are going to be strong, but our finances are going to be right. 
you know, it, you ought to be uh, happy that God wants to lead you out of debt. Because, you know, when, you know, one of the cool things about walking with God is he leads you into battles you couldn't possibly win. So he wins them for you. He leads you into problems you couldn't possibly solve. So he solves them for you. He leads you into situations you couldn't possibly afford. So he comes in and provides for you. Well, he's leading you out of debt. Well, I can't do it. Right. But God, in his power, in his wisdom, he can show you how to collapse time and how to break the chains of bondage and get you set free in every realm of your life. Amen? So just, just get it. Man, I'm getting in the first chair. If I get in the first chair, my, my life's going to be better. My, my, my wife is going to be nicer. Huh? My kids will be more obedient. All, uh, all of a sudden, uh, I'll have breakthrough on my job, and my finances are going to line up. My body's going to line up. My mind's going to line up. Get in the first chair. Amen? And we're going we're gonna to take a couple of weeks, and we're going to talk about first chair fun. First chair fun. How do you know that God wants you to just enjoy life? Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, it's time for you to get happy. <laughs> Amen? Happy's coming to your house, which means you're probably going to have to ask depression to move out because you're going to need the space. Happy's not going to come hang around with that depression spirit, so you're going to have to move that out, and you're going to have to make room for happy. Look at your neighbor and say, happy, happy, happy. <laughs> Amen. You might as well have some fun. I, you know, I, I just believe that God wants us to be excited about God life and about what he's doing in our lives individually, corporately, and even around the world. We should be thrilled. This morning on the way to church started getting hay tails from Pastor Raju in Nepal. It was 9 o'clock Sunday night there, and he was just all pumped and excited, and we're talking about the good things that God's doing. And, and I, I, man, I'm just so thrilled with, with the fact that God has us alive today. Amen. I mean, I'm, I'm happy. Amen. Amen. Are you happy you're in church? Please ask the person next to you to at least pretend. Just look happy and, and let's have church today. Amen. Hey, first chair, listen to this, first chair people, uh, the mindset is it's all about knowing God. Okay, in our, in our endeavor, in our journey to get to that first chair, it's, this, this is a journey. It's all about knowing God. Second chair, people, it's knowing all about God. I want you to hear the difference. First chair, it's all about knowing God. Second chair, it's knowing all about God. How many know there's a big difference? Because you see a lot of people come to church, that, not for transformation, but they just like information. And they want to they get, uh, you know, deep spiritual insight and revelation. They're not transformed. They're not changed. They're, they're, they're not doing anything different than they did seven years ago. But, man, can they tell you some stuff. Well, I don't care if I'm dumb as a post. If I have intimate relationship with God, that's where I want to be. Hello, somebody. And, and, and I, I want you to just begin to, to, to shift your heart to know God, not about God. The, you know, if you study uh, Joshua, when he made that statement, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. The very next generation, all they knew were the stories that Joshua and his team had, had told. You know what I mean? They, they, they had seen the slideshows. They had a couple of the DVD sets. You know, and, and, and sometimes we live in that mindset that, well, you know, we, we might miss what God's doing, but we can get a DVD. You know, well, we'll go to heaven and send you a DVD. You know, the reality is I don't want to watch it. I want to be part of it. Amen. And, and uh, you know, 
I, I want you to shift your, your heart and, and make sure that you are learning uh, how to build relationship with God, not learning about God. And, you know, third chair people ain't got nothing to do with God because it's just about them. Life is just all about them. But you got to watch for spiritual erosion, shift, spiritual shift. Because, like I said earlier, we can be in, you know, in first chair in one area, but you look down, down there and you see another area of your life is clear down in the third chair. Well, we don't want any area of our life to shift. So when the Bible says take heed to yourself, you know, pay attention to you. You know, it, it's really tempting, isn't it? And you don't have to respond to this one, but isn't it really tempting to look kind of across the room and see people who really need this message? And, but I, I think we ought to open up and receive with meekness, with teachable spirit, the Word of God. Yeah, that my life's going to be changed today, and, and I'm going to make sure that my perspectives and my, my viewpoint lines up with what God wants it to be. You know, in Isaiah 60, where he said, arise, shine, for thy light has come. Arise, change your perspective. You know, uh, I love the Amplified Bible there. It says, arise from the state of depression, which circumstances has kept you. Don't let circumstances dictate your thought life. Let the Word of God tell you how to think. See, God's got to change the way we think. So we'll change the way we feel, which will change the way we make our choices, which will change the actions we perform, which will change the habits we produce, which will change the character that we possess, which will change the end result that we experience. So, man, we just, we just want to come in here and, and, and get transformed. You know, uh, church is really, you know, well, think about it. Church is really a fantastic community of people drawn together by God who have uh, an incredibly important cause in this world. You know, what God's doing here, this is a little bit bigger than us having an opportunity to get a free bottle of water and sing a couple songs together. God's up to something. And, and it's important. And, and the thing is, is that, uh, you know, man, God has brought us here with a purpose. We don't just go to church. We are the church. Amen. I said we are the church. Look at somebody. Tell them, I am the church. Man, everywhere I go, we're having church. Right? Why? Because we're there. We're the church. We are the church. And striving to be the church on the job, at the house, Wherever you are, man, if you're playing golf or riding a Harley or bowling or whatever it is you're doing, you're taking God into that spot. You know, you go into the skateboard park, take God with you. Somebody say amen. Well, if you think about it, church is really a community where sinful, messed up people like us uh, who desperately need God. It's the place where we found him and each other. You know, and uh, with God's grace and his power working in our lives as we use our gifts, we bring hope to suffering humanity. You think about it. You know, the, no wonder the enemy is fighting against the church. You know, a lot of times you think that it's your family that's under attack or your body that's under attack. I think what the enemy is really attacking is the church. And, and he's, he's wanting to defeat and to disarm and to, and to you know, to paralyze pieces of the body so we don't effectively do all that God's called us to do. You know, first chair believers are thrilled to be a part of the local church. Uh, They have fun at church. In my mind, I've expected a response. You know, of course, now I know who I'm talking to. So I will address you accordingly. <laughs> yeah, first chair people have fun at church. Look at your neighbor and say, "Isn't this fun?" Come on. 
you know, and, and they like taking it out of the building and going out into the community. And they're not looking for reasons uh, not to come together. They're looking for reasons to get together and celebrate God's goodness. Come on. Well, you know, when you feel yourself sliding a little bit and you're just th- and you're dreading stuff, just realize, wait a minute, I need to change my perspective. I need, to, I need to realize that the enemy has me focusing now on stuff that I would say might be a problem instead of focusing on the promises that when we do what God's called us to do, that's when we receive the promise. You know, uh, uh, cast not therefore away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward, for you have needed patience, for after you have done the will of God, you shall receive the promise. Well, the enemy just wants to separate you from the promise. So he just creates anything that you think is a problem so that you miss out on the promise. And you just hyper-focus on a problem. Well, there's always going to be problems with church. And you want to know why? Because we're here. Hello, somebody. Yeah, but get over it. Just realize, no, man, I look forward to this thing. You know, I really can't think of very many, very many times, well, in the last week or so, that Shelby has had to make me come to church. You know, we just, we love this thing. You know, we, we love what we're doing and, and God surrounded us with a great team who love church, who love doing life together. And, and, you know, and we just want to open this thing up and say, come on guys, let's do, let's do God life together. Let's do, and, and, you know, it's not, and it's, I'm not just talking about church services. I'm talking about, you know, how crazy would it be if, if you took the environment and, and, and the culture that's being grown here and you, and you took it to work with you. Have some friends over and then invite one of the neighbors that don't believe in God and, and just and don't preach at him. Just live in front of him and watch what happens. See, second chair people, they view church like a club. It's kind of like belonging to Rotary or Bowling League or, you know, it's just an organization I go to. They have meetings. Sometimes I make it. Sometimes I don't. Uh, you know, it's. It's okay, I can meet new people, I can hang out, I can build my networks. It's not actually life-changing. Matter of fact, second chair people aren't looking for transformation. It's like I said earlier, they're just looking for information. They want to get intellectual and feel good about themselves. And a lot of people are looking for information, and it's not even the good stuff. They're just looking for the bad stuff. Because they just feel, you know, some people are like addicted to chaos. Hello? Man, I, I felt that one just right, right there, so we'll talk about that for a minute. Um, you know, some people are under the impression that if they don't have enough problems that no one will notice them. And so no one is going to care about me if I don't have all this stuff. Are you kidding? Don't let the enemy rip you off like that. You know, get out of that chair and realize that, you know what, the, the, minute, the minute you get out from under that weight and that bondage, you're going to begin to enjoy life. And, 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 you know, we'd, we'd much rather, I think I can speak for the majority of my team, we'd much rather hook up with you and talk about the great things that God's done instead of the crappy stuff that's going on in your world. Just saying. Okay, third chair people. Got to keep moving. Third chair people, they look at church, it's like a tradition or a custom. Uh, you know, the CEOs of the church, Christ, uh, Christmas, Easter, and one other service, the CEOs. Um, you know, they, they just don't get it. Uh, it's just nothing more than a custom. Don't, don't, don't live there very long. It's hard to get out of that chair. It's hard, it's hard when, you know, it's crazy to me that we can be in an environment where life is flowing. Lives are being radically changed. But there's also individuals who are just little bitter betties. 
And they're, they're just determined to prove that something's wrong and that, that someone's hurt them and that something was done. And, 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 you know, and they laughed at me in middle school. You're 72 years old. Get over middle school. Huh? Come on. Uh, make sure your perspective regarding church is right. You know, uh, your perspective really matters. It, it, it matters in the way you see church. It matters in the way you see your career. Uh, first chair people see their career as a calling. It's a call. Everybody say, it's a calling. It's an opportunity to serve God and be used to God in that arena where he's placed you. Um, you know, I, I think I shared with you the, the, the story about the hospitality person in a motel that would put the, that put the little card, the little handwritten note card on the pillow with the mints. And, and it said, this room has been cleaned just for you. And then there's a scripture reference, 1 Peter 4.9. 1 Peter 4.9 says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. You know, you go in there and what, you know, a job that some people might think of as demeaning or very temporary. This person obviously recognized it as a calling and making a difference in other people's lives. And I just want to tell you this morning that no matter where you are, no matter where God's put you, if you would see it as a calling, if you live life like you're called, all of a sudden the mindset changes and, and, and there's power there because, you know what, if you're in your calling, you've got some authority. You know, and you, you just need to realize that, uh, hey, man, I'm called to this thing. God has called me to this place. I, and my job is a calling, and I'm living life uh, for God in this spot. And it really changes, you know, kind of removes your frustration from some of the circumstances that you think are against you. Because if you're called, well, obviously, uh, if God has called you to where you are, that hell's going to oppose you. So now you're not so shocked that people aren't being, you know, as nice to you as you think they should or opportunities aren't coming as quickly as they should. Of course they're not. Why? Because you're, you're answering a call on your life. Hell is opposing that call. But if you'll just stay true and, and, and live for God and do it his way and seek his way of doing and being right, guess where you're going to end up? At the end that he declared at the beginning. See, a lot of us, what we do is, is that we forget that there is an end, and that end is being, uh, you know, opposed by, uh, by an enemy and by satanic forces. But the reality is, is that if, if we would have enough relationship with God to know what the end is, we wouldn't be so apt to quit in the middle. You know, you think about uh, marriages, and, and they say that 50% of marriages end in divorce today, and that's both inside and outside the church. And that number kind of bothers me a little bit because, you know, I've studied the numbers. And what I've found out is that uh, a lot of the numbers in the church are people who never were anywhere near a church until about two months before divorce court. And then they started coming to church as a last result. And they're, they're now considered in the church. And, I, I mean, I get it, but I don't, I don't agree with how they do their numbers. But, uh, but the numbers say that 50% of marriages inside and outside of the church end in divorce. Well, why? Well, because they, they don't understand. They, they look at marriage... Not as a calling. They, they don't understand how God views marriage, and they don't realize that God God has an end. So somewhere in the middle, they say we must have reached the end. So they they put an end, they put a period, you know, where God might might have put a comma, and they don't make it to the end. See, I I want you to make it to the end. I want you to experience the, the great breakthrough and healing and restoration that God has for your life in every realm of your life. Somebody say amen. Uh, your career is a calling. Second chair people see it as a blessing. 
Well, what's wrong with seeing my job as a blessing? Well, if your job is a blessing, it ain't going to take much for the enemy to move you out of your destiny. All it's going to take is what you think is a little bit bigger blessing. I know people who have missed destiny for 75 cents an hour more. It's quiet up in here. Um, One of the greatest strategies of the enemy against destiny is the thing that we call opportunity. Because if all it takes is an opportunity to move you out of your destiny, you are an easy target. Because you'll get a letter, you'll get a phone call, and somebody's going to offer you something that looks so good to you, and you're going to pack up, and you're going to move yourself out of the place that God's called you to be. And it's all, it's all about, and, and you say, well, God's blessing us. Well, have you talked to God? You know, biblically, biblically, the, the Bible says that, uh, uh, that you are to firmly grasp what the will of God is, buying up every opportunity. See, I, I think biblical, godly opportunities will usually cost you. It's a God opportunity, so it costs you buying up. There's a price to pay for the opportunity. Opportunities that don't cost you, you better really pray about. Opportunity comes, and, and all you see is increase, increase, and well, this is God's will to prosper me. Well, that's true, but are you sure that, that God actually wants to move you to do that? Or you just don't like where you are, you don't like the people, you don't see your career as a calling, so if I call it a blessing, then all I need is a bigger blessing, and I can move on. This must be really good because you're very, very quiet. You know, you cannot consistently perform a task that's inconsistent with your character. So when this becomes part of your character and you're just living from blessing to blessing, maybe that's why your spouse isn't uh, very comfortable in your relationship because she knows that all you need is a better opportunity and you're going to drop her like a... You know, just saying. Maybe what we ought to do is get in a relationship with God and find out what the end is. Get our, get our heart and mind wrapped around the will of God. You know, Romans 12, 2 says that uh, we shouldn't be like the world and squeeze it in its mold. But that we should let our minds be renewed so that we can prove the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You know who, who the will of God needs to be proven to is you. You, you, you need to allow God to prove to you what his will is, that, 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 you, that you get a firm grip of the will of God. You know, uh, I don't know if you'd ever think about it or worry about it, but you don't ever have to worry about it. What happens if somebody offers Tom and Shelby more pay in another city? No, I know the will of God for my life. Now, there are days when I'd like to go somewhere. But I ain't going nowhere because I'm called here. Right? This isn't a blessing. Well, let, let me rephrase that. Obviously, it's a blessing to be here and to, and to pastor this place. But that's not the motivator. That's, that's, not, the, that's not the decision-making force because there's something higher than that. I don't think every day on your job is going to be a blessing. But I think you need to view your job as a calling. And you need to go to work this week realizing, I've been called to be here. Called to God. And I don't care if you're flipping burgers or 
stocking shelves or making decisions that are impacting the county. That's not the point. The point is, is that wherever you are, that's your mindset. Why? Well, do you want to enjoy life? Well, then you better live like you're called. Somebody say amen. Um, third chair people see their career as an opportunity for success. They're climbing a ladder, getting, they'll climb over people if they have to. doesn't make any difference. Why? Because it's all about me. Well, here's the point this morning is that if you can recognize your life and, and the calling upon your life, it, it, suddenly it, 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 it's like a joyride. I mean, even in the bad days, there's stuff that you're not wanting to deal with, but the reality is that you know that at the end, my final outcome is going to be better than my current condition. Why? Because I'm called, and the anointing that's on my life because of that calling is going to swallow up all of the stuff, and I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be, I'm going to be at the end. I'm going to have, you know, a wonderful life. Hello, somebody. You know, and, you know, some, we, we might think, well, you know, if I did it my way, if I lived my life and did what I want, how I want, as long as I want, whenever I want, that then I'd be happy. No, that's when you're empty. You know, that, that's when you're broken, and, and that, that's when there's still this giant void, and a lot of people don't understand it because they've got everything that they've ever wanted except the peace of God that passes all understanding. They got everything they ever wanted except the joy of the Lord, which is their strength. They got everything they ever wanted except what really matters. And when you live life God's way, I'm telling you, happy comes to your house. Check this out. Psalms 1. Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable. Now, hold on. Don't you want that to be defining you? Blessed, positioned to win or succeed in any given situation. Happy. Happy. That's the absence of depression. Fortunate. Tied to a fortune. Fortunate. There's nothing that can come up that can take you out. Great peace have those that love thy law. Nothing can cause them to fall, stumble, fail, or quit. Enviable. The people who are standing right next to you wish they were you. People going through the same thing you're going through wish that they had what you had. Not possessions, but that inner peace. Happy, fortunate, prosperous on the increase is a man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly. He's not following the advice of the world or plans or purposes outside of God. He doesn't stand and inactive in the path where sinners walk or sit down to relax where scornful and mockers gather. Look at this. But his delight and his desire are in the law of the Lord. Happy, fortunate, blessed, prosperous, enviable is the man whose delight and desire is in the Word of God. On his Word, his precepts, the instructions, the teachings of God. He habitually meditates and studies them day and night. Good times, bad times. The Word of God is in his life. He, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you're meditating day and night. You're never caught without God's Word in your mouth. It, what, what's that going to do? It's going to lead you to a place where you're happy, fortunate, blessed, prosperous, enviable. Come on. And this is the life you want. Look at the next verse. Verse 3. He's going to be like a tree, firmly planted and tended. I love the Amplified. Not only planted, but tended by God, by the streams of water, ready to bring forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf will not fade or wither. Everything he does. Oh, come on, somebody. We're talking about your definition now. 
Why? Because you're pressing out of that. You're getting yourself out of compromise, getting yourself out of, you know, conflict and moving your life towards commitment to God. And God said, you know what? Here's what's going to happen when you get down here and my word is guiding you. My word is, is meat to you. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to get happy. You're going to get blessed. You're going to get fortunate. You're going to begin to prosper. You're going to be enviable. You're going to be like a tree that I take care of. You're going to produce fruit. Everything you do is going to prosper. Somebody say happy, happy, happy. Look at Psalms chapter 34, verse 8 and 9. Taste and see that the Lord is good, blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied is the man who trusts and takes refuge in him. Taste and see. Come on, check out God. Look at Psalms 40, verse 4. Blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied is the man who makes the Lord his refuge and his trust, who turns not to the proud or to followers of false gods. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonderful works which you have done and your thoughts toward us. No one can compare with you. If I should declare and speak of them, there are too many to be numbered. How could we begin to tell you how good God is? It's too much. Hello, somebody. It's really odd to stand here and look this way. Because it almost almost feels like I'm talking about a God you ain't met yet. You ought to be happy, happy, happy. Think about how good God's been to you. It's too good for you to even number them. And the the enemy has you considering some little thing that's been wrong over here. Would you start looking at the stuff that's right? You know, you got to change that perspective and realize, man, God is good to me. Look at Psalms 41. Blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied is he who considers the weak and the poor. The Lord will deliver him in the time of evil and trouble. Psalms 84, verse 4, blessed, happy, fortunate, and be envied are those who dwell in your house. I love dwelling in the house of God. They will be singing your praises all day long. Blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied is the man whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. Passing through the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. You know what that means? When you're going through hard times, you recognize, oh, this is, this is a bad spot. What do you do? You, where other people would cry, you dig a well. Why? So the next guy that comes behind you can see a memorial of somebody who's been here before him, and he can take a drink knowing this is not the end, this is the middle. Instead of breaking down and dying, you just have a party, celebrate God, and leave some party hats behind. Because somebody is going to be right behind you. Hello, somebody. And what are they doing? Well, they're, going to, they're going to move right on through into life just like you did. Look at Psalms 112, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Make sure you don't read the Bible wrong. See, a lot of people read the Bible this way. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied is the man who fears, reveres, and worships the Lord, whose delights greatly in his commands. His offspring shall be mighty upon the earth. You read the Bible wrong. Praise the Lord. And that's where you would go, hallelujah. Blessed, happy, fortunate. To be envied is the man who worships the Lord. He delights greatly in his commandments. His offspring shall be mighty on the earth. Come on, think about it. This is bigger than you. This is the generation following you. Man, you're raising up 
you know, uh, men and women of God who are going to live prosperous, who are going to live blessed, who are going to live successful lives, who are going to be, you know, world changers. Happy. Get yourself happy. Somebody say amen. amen. Listen, are you ready for happy to dwell in your house? Let, let me give you a couple of points real fast. Daniel 11.32 says the people who know God, they're strong and they do great exploits. Great exploits in your King James is in italics, which means that it was added later so that you would understand it. What it really says in the original is, uh, you know, the, great, or, uh, the people who know their God shall, shall be strong and do. Shall be strong and do. The word do means to fulfill, complete, accomplish, uh, you know, fulfill. It, it, it just may, they make it to the end. You know, the people who know their God shall be strong and they shall do. You know, I, I want to tell you what you want to do is you want to do like you're called to do it. Okay, so number one, do it like you're called to do it. Live like you're called instead of like you're saved. Second Timothy 1, 9. For it is he who delivered and saved and called us with a calling in itself holy and leading to holiness, to a life of consecration, a vocation of holiness. He did it not because of anything of merit that we've done, but because of and to further his own purpose. It, it, basically what it says is you're not only saved, but you're called. And you're not called to do your thing. You're called to do his thing. And when you live like you're called to do his thing instead of saved to do your thing, Right. See, when you're living like you're saved, then then you spend most of your time, uh, you know, getting born again again. Right. Because you're living like you're saved and you make, you got to make sure I got to make sure I'm still saved. And this stuff hits you and stuff happens. And, and you know, and somebody cuts you off in traffic and you were waving at him, but not with all the fingers. And, and then all of a sudden, oh, shoot, I got to I got to deal with that. And you come and, and you're so focused on on your salvation. Let me just tell you a little something, something. That when you allow God to begin to work in your life, you, a, lot, a lot of this stuff that you have just been ingrained with, it's just going to begin to fall off and the Holy Spirit's going to convict you and he's going to grow you and you're going to live different than you did before. But it, you, I don't want you to try to focus on being saved. I, I want you to focus on being called. And not for your purpose, but for his purpose. And if you live like you're called, the stuff that you're worried about, you won't even be worrying about it, but God will help you take care of it and get victory over it anyway. So you, you, what you want to do, you want to do like you're called to do it. Whatever you're doing, do it like you're called to do it. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I am called. Yeah, Isaiah said, you know, fear thou not. I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. God has called you. I think God's big enough, powerful enough to get you exactly where he needs you. And I think he's already done it. I think you probably are where you need to be. Now, you might be in a transitional process, but let me just tell you something. You want to know that God's calling you somewhere different before you actually push off. Hello? So, so that when you go to do, you can do it like you're called. And it might be that when you start doing it like you're called to do it, that that's when God's going to promote you. But he can't promote you until you understand you're called. So do it like you're called to do it. Somebody say amen. Number two, number two, so number one, do it like you're called to do it. Number two, do where you're called to do it. Do it like you're called, but do it where you're called. Don't do it wherever you want to. Do it where God calls you to do it. Check it out. Ecclesiastes 9:11. I have observed something under the sun. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. The strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes go hungry. The skillful are not necessarily wealthy. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. It's all decided by chance, by being in the right place 
at the right time. Being at the right place at the right time. Well, didn't you fast and say, God, show me the right way for me, the right way for my kids, the right way for my substance? Why? So that you be at the right place at the right time. You know, that word chance, it's not oops. It's actually a collision with destiny. It is a moment infused with, it's just pregnant with purpose. Time and chance happen. There's a moment of of purpose. And it's not once in a lifetime. It's almost every day. There's a moment impregnated with purpose that God's leading you into. And you've got to be at the right place. I have not seen, ears not heard, neither has it entered the heart of any man. The things which God has prepared for those that love it, prepared, made ready in advance. God's taking you to a place where, where the promise exists. So you, you just want to stay on track with God. You want to live like you're called. And, and you want to live where you're called. Hello, somebody. And, and number three, check this out. Number three. Number one is do like you're called to do it. Number two, do where you're called to do it. And number three, do all you do well. Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever you do, do well. Whatever you do, do well. Can I just put it this way? Uh, the importance is not found in what you do, but how you do it. I think we put too much stock into what we, we put our identity and connect our identity into what we do. A lot of times you ask people, you know, uh, about themselves, tell me about you, and they start telling you, you know, what they're doing. Well, what you're doing is not necessarily your identity. You don't find your identity in that. Because that, that can change. You know, musicians, let, let me just talk about music for a minute, because I am a musician. Musicians are freaks. Am I right, Tony? I mean, really, we're... We're freaky, okay? And don't, don't let the singers go, ha, 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 because they're this, as bad as we are. But, but here's, here's the deal, is that a lot of times the, the, we, get our, we, we start connecting our, our identity in, 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 in uh, what we're doing. You know, uh, would, you, would you turn that down? Why don't they like me? What? What are you talking about? They don't like me. They've asked me to turn down. They don't even want to hear me. No, what they said was you're too loud. We're not talking about you. We're talking about what you're doing. And you got you got you just got to understand that what you're doing is an issue. How about how you're doing it? That everything you do, you do as unto the Lord. It's not what you're doing. It's how you're doing it. It's not the position that you have. It's how you answer the call in that position. It's, it's, it's like, man, I'm called. I'm where I'm called. And I'm going to do it how I'm called. You know, because there are things in every situation that you're going to end up doing that you probably don't want to do. There are going to be moments of life and, and circumstances that you're, going to, that you're going to bump into that you wish you hadn't have. But how are you going to handle it? We're not talking about what you're handling. We're talking about how. How, how do you go through this situation walking with God? How do you go through this thing demonstrating Satan's defeat? How, how do you go through this, this environment? How do you do it in a way that will absolutely humiliate hell? Because that's what you're called to do. This week, had the honor of uh, speaking at a, a funeral service for a family that had just lost their mom, their grandma. Great, great woman. And uh, at, the, at the service, there's a gal, I don't know how old she is, 22 to 25, somewhere in there. 
um, and she made this statement. She was talking about in the hospital room, there's 30, 35 family members together. And, of course, nobody wants to see Grandma go to be with Jesus. They're, I mean, they know where she's going. They, and, but she said, you know, we're standing around that room. We're all holding hands. One moment somebody would read a scripture. Then we'd sing together. And we'd sing hymns and we'd sing her, the songs that, that, that she loved. And, and somebody else would pray. And, and she said, and it went on until, until Grandma went home to be with the Lord. She made this statement. She said, it was, it was both the saddest day of my life and the most beautiful thing I've ever been a part of. And I thought, you know, really, you think about that, there's some situations that we deal with we don't want to. But it's not what you're dealing with, it's how you're going to deal with it. How are you going to deal with life this week? You know, this week, this week I, I just pray to God that you'll recognize, okay, I, I'm on an endeavor to move myself to chair one. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it like I'm called, like I'm called to be there. I'm going to get in the place that God's called me to be. And everything I do, I'm going to do it well. I'm going to have to own it. You know, in the church, I tell you that if, if, you're, if you're opening the doors, do it well. You know, on your job, if you're sweeping the floor, do it well. In the house, you know, if you're, if you're watering the plants, do it well. Make it part of your character so that you can consistently perform it in every realm of your life. Amen? Close your book. Bow your